Ahlan wa sahlan. Welcome to Arab Woman Talking. She said she would be talking every two weeks. Two weeks in English, two weeks in Arabic. But if you look at the dates, you'll see that it has not happened. This Arab woman just did not deliver in two weeks to me, as I said. So, you know, now I sit here with, like, you know, the presenter of this program, and you think, yeah, why should I believe you? And you're right. It's just I'm working, I'm dealing with an Arab here, and Arabs are, well, poof. Arab woman started taking this podcasting thing too seriously. She thought, you know, I want to change the world with this podcast and write and think about things through. And there are so many topics. The problem is not the lack of material. The problem is that there's too much. And uh, then it takes a long time. Then it's no longer accurate. Then, after she's written so much about it, she figured it out for herself. And then it feels redundant to say it out loud. I mean, at the end of the day, what is this but talking to yourself? And I have talked enough. So without further ado, I turn it to you, Arab woman. Tafaddali. السلام عليكم وعلينا أجمعين معكم بنت إبراهيم على الأثير This is Arab woman talking from a forest on a summer's day in August I begin by defending myself against the accusations by the presenter as if I'm a lazy Arab Shame on you I could sue you for this kind of remark but I won't I'll just say that it's really not about being lazy. It's just a matter of priorities. What do we do and when? When do we talk and when not? Between writing a book, my first Dutch fable, and caring for my bees, taking care of a garden so that we become more self-sustainable, doing workshops on dreams, and living life. It's sometimes hard to stop to share things, whether in words or images, because that removes us immediately from the reality we are living in. I came into the studio to record my podcast and I see my husband walking up the operette, having just come back. I pause and go outside. A distraction? One might say so, but what's important? I tell him about my day, my morning with the bees, and the imker, Rien. We saw the uh, Darrenslacht, hated in the Netherlands, the drone slaughter. That doesn't sound very good, my husband says. No, it's not. In the bee world, the honeybee, the drones are not needed in the winter time. They're there to inseminate the new queens. So just before winter begins, the worker bees either kick these uh, drones out of the hive or they kill them if kicking them out doesn't work. 
Watching it is like just watching wrestling at the beginning. That's what we saw today. The worker bee was just completely, you know, punching and rolling with this uh, drone. And then he flew away. He might try to come back. And after many times of trying, they would kill him. Or he might just go and seek refuge somewhere. But he would not be able to survive because bees, honeybees, cannot survive alone. They need the bean, the hive. Every life is important in service of the bean. One thing led to another with my husband and we ended up looking at old photo albums and looking at strollers. Strollers from the 60s and 70s. They were just baskets on wheels with a very simple and beautiful iron uh, handle where you can push it. Very simple, very light, easy to carry, and very often you can just fold it in itself. You can use the basket for something else. With time, strollers became like, I don't know, I'm not going to name any brand of car, but they've become something very different. Big wheels and this for safety and that for safety. In some countries, you're obliged to adhere to what they think is safe enough for your baby to sit in. Has life become more dangerous now than before? Some people might say yes. People are driving faster, there's more cars, there's more speed. But is that true? There was a time that people bicycled just bicycling. Here you still see it in Europe. People riding a bike to work. They don't need to dress up like they're going into a war. I know that in the U.S. that you have to wear a helmet and knee pads and uh, uh, elbow pads and everything in case you fall and in case this and in case that. And, you know, it's probably true. If you bang your head really hard against something, it, it's probably better to have a helmet, but maybe you can cycle safely. And accidents do happen. I think of Malaysia there... Whole family is riding a scooter. You have the father and the mother and the kid all on the scooter, just without helmets, without anything. They're riding in the city, not so fast. I understand if you're riding on a freeway, then you need a helmet anyway, otherwise the wind would blow your head away while you're going at such speed. But do we stop to ask ourselves how far we go in... Um, security measures, safety measures to avoid any harm? Have we thought about how raising children nowadays in a way that everything is dirty, everything is filthy, they're not allowed to put their hands in the mud, they're not allowed to eat anything that might be having anything in it, we pump them with antibiotics and I don't know, all kinds of medicines and antibacterial, antiviral, anti-life. And then we wonder, why do more people get sick? Because they've put their immune system on pension, just retired from a young age. 
and vaccine this and vaccine that. I get it. Lots of people die from some diseases. Some things might be essential. I don't know. I didn't have a choice whether I would be vaccinated or not as a kid. That's just what people did. And luckily, luckily here I say, because these are questions I think that parents struggle with very hard, is do I vaccinate my children or not? People who refuse to vaccinate are called crazy. I don't know what's right or wrong. If I had a child and the doctor said you had to vaccinate it because otherwise it could die, my fear would might take over and I would say, yes, just do it. These, amongst other things, are some of the reasons why I decided not to have children. There's just too many, too many issues to, to decide, to resolve. It's not easy. Now there's talk about coming up with a vaccine for the coronavirus, COVID-19. It's been now, what, five months since the pandemic has swept the world. It was a bit earlier, of course, in China and so, but until the world decided that it's a pandemic, it's been a time of fear, a time of taking precautions, and now we're asked to wear masks or gloves or keep social distancing. Again, this has split the world in half. People who think we should do this, we have to do this, we have to comply, it's for our best. And people who think this is just bullshit and it's just governments trying to control the masses. One step at a time, they will deprive us of every freedom that we have and we're going to accept it because we are so afraid. These are all different scenarios. One thing I am grateful for in this whole uh, COVID-19 era is that we're able to, if we decide, to reevaluate our relationship to distance between people and the exchange of energy with people. Now, the fact is, it's become too nonchalant. You know, you have to kiss everyone and their mother and shake hands, sometimes with half strangers, and hug. And if you don't, then you're antisocial and you're not friendly and you're not welcoming. But isn't it much more valuable when we used to embrace when the feeling took us that we wanted our energies to connect with so much love? I'm not saying that if I don't hug you, it doesn't mean I don't love you. But the exchange of energy in a hug is very important. It is very important. But we've made it just too casual. At least this is my world, my dream, if we go back to that one. This is how I see it. I don't want to hug everyone. I remember living in California, it was a little bit um, difficult. You know, you go to a workshop, you haven't met these people, and they want to hug you and kiss you and... Yeah, maybe after the workshop, if we connected, also shaking hands. Sometimes, I'm, you know, I'm saying this and I'm thinking, have I said this before? Because it might be, but I guess if it's coming up again, then it's coming up. Shaking hands once meant agreeing on a deal, resolving an issue. 
coming to agreement with. You shake a hand on it. Someone said to me, I said, where did the shaking hands come from? And they said, oh, it's to, to, to lead Zine that, that you don't have a weapon in your hand. It's kind of uh, letting the other person see that you're not armed. <laughs> no. Okay. Maybe. There's no right and wrong. It's just that in this time, we can actually decide what we want to do as individuals. Now they say don't get close to anyone except for your immediate family and so on and so forth. But you know what? When I have a connection with someone to such a degree that we are just moved to embrace, we do. And then I do not have fear. I put the fear aside. You know, fear can make you sick. Fear can actually kill you. They've done studies about it. Check it out. You'll find many instances and studies that show that fearing something, if you're afraid of the monkey, the monkey comes to you. A state of fear. In this state of fear, I choose to let go of fear. But I choose to create the boundaries that work for me. I started this podcast today not knowing where I'm going to go. Because as the presenter said, there's quite a lot to talk about. What do we choose to focus our energy on? So much happens and it happens so fast that we don't even have time to process. The movement that started in the last few months. Black Lives Matter. That's almost now at the back burner, right? That happens really fast, doesn't it? Big news happens, big movements, and then they're put aside. Then comes a new rush of corona. Then comes I don't know what. Now it's here in the Netherlands with all this kind of uh, scandals with uh, the Turne, the gymnastics coaches and their inhumane handling of the sporters. There's always something. This is not to underestimate from what is happening in people's lives, but there's also reasons why the media focuses on one thing and not the other. The refugees are still refugees. The Palestinians are still being oppressed. Women are still being raped and killed all over the world. Forests are being deforested. This has not gone away. But we don't have the time to look at it. I'm not saying look at it. I actually boycotted the news. I stopped watching that. There's no sense in it. Thankfully, my husband gives me the headlines if I ask. Because I ask myself, what is the news that we hear and why are we hearing it now? Of course, with internet, we can search for news if we want. Some rely on social media, some rely on specific friends. But what does it matter? We can get into the discussion about this, that it's important to know what's happening in the world. That's true, to some degree. But the more and more that this goes on, the more and more I go back to basics. 
I wonder what would happen right now if um, the internet would stop. Can you imagine that? Of course, some people say that is the next war. May God keep that away. But it doesn't serve anyone. Having this on is, well, a lucrative business. Because it's more channels where we can tell people what they need to buy. Safety, regulations, consumerism, it all sits hand in hand. At the beginning of the pandemic, we thought, oh, wow, this is really good. People are going to go back to nature. There's no flying. There's less pollution in the air. But since then, how much plastic has been put up everywhere? Every store has a plastic shield, plastic. Where once you could buy a loaf of bread unclothed, now it's wrapped in plastic. Every croissant is wrapped in plastic. It was already a problem with vegetables being wrapped in plastic in some places. And then people were starting slowly to say, we don't want this plastic, we want it just as it is. But then comes a virus and everyone is just, yeah, just cover it all up. This is horrible for the environment. Horrible for the environment. I don't have answers. I don't think anyone has answers. But we find um, the worldview that suits us, I suppose. There are just too many interesting conspiracy theories out there. It's a great time to write, to write an apocalyptic book, I'm, so, I'm sure. There's writers all over busy with that. Excuses for the sound. I'm just adjusting myself. A girl can't stay sitting the same way for half an hour. That's torture. I guess one of the things that we can do right now is making our own rules. No, 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 no. I was a banana calling for anarchy. No, but... You know, there's so many contradicting things that it's about finding what resonates with you and then going for it and respecting other people. Let's say, for example, if, you know, if I'm for always a meter and a half distance with everyone and don't want to hug people, great, shouldn't do it. Uh, people who think it's bullshit, they can practice that with other people who think it's bullshit but keep away from the person who well wants to be away from other people of a distance actually if you look at people like natural human interaction we don't have to sit on top of each other it's just that our weird and well congested and overpopulated uh, life especially in cities is not normal See, if you put a lot of people in a small space, it's just like putting too many plants in one place. You know, if, if you plant too many potatoes next to each other, a lot of them will start getting diseases. Spread them out is better. Plant other things in between. Give them the space that they need. They uh, closed down 27 factories of nerts. Nerts, this is an animal that I think is a bit like a weasel. You know, I'm going to have to put, look it up Look it up immediately. This is the problem when you're learning a new language and you start learning things in one language and then you're talking about it in another language. Nerts. What's Andy? Um, mm, let me multiply again. <laughs> that, that is it neat. 
Zoog dier. Oh, they look like European nerds. This is in the Netherlands. Okay, translate. Translate. Nerds. Mink. Minx. Mink. There it is. This is where, uh, of course, I could use a dictionary. And I do have it, but it would take just a little bit skin more time than the... Actually, I don't know if it would take that more time than the internet. It's just that we got so used to now just jumping on and asking the question. I still do go back to my Arabic dictionary. That I do. I just love the pages. But I'm getting away from the topic, which is a bad habit of mine. Uh, these nerds, or the mink animals, so they closed down 27 factories of, of mink because they discovered that these mink have uh, corona. They have corona and they are um, besmetting each other and large numbers are going dead and so. Now, the fact that this kind of factory exists is actually, it's, it's mind-blowing. In a country like Europe in the Netherlands, with human rights, animal rights, all these things, these minks are kind of Fucked, they say. <laughs> yeah, try to. That's not a swear word. Huh? They're kind of cultivated. They're uh, bred for the sole purpose of making clothes with jackets or scarves. I don't know what they make with them, but so they, I don't know. They sit in little boxes. I think like big shoe boxes. Um, there, they breed. They give birth. These are taken away. They breed. They give birth. They don't move. So there's. Thousands and thousands of those nerds condensed in this small area. And then they find COVID-19 between them, amongst them. Is that surprising? Is that maybe trying to tell us something about humans also in such close proximities? Of course... It has to do also with wealth. The people with more wealth have more space. Uh, that is uh, how it goes. But then the majority of the people have very little space. Very little space. And not only that, they actually crawl up on top of each other. I mean, we could say that people go to the cities for a better life, to be able to work, because that's where the opportunities were. I really wonder about that. What, what opportunities? Because in, in, in the village or the outskirts, you had the land, you can work. Of course, it's a different kind of work. You're, you're dependent on the elements. It's farming. It's being nature, close to nature. But these were not enough to be able to sustain life anymore. This has to do, I think, with two things. A, is that people started thinking that this is not good work, but also because of governments that took over with consumerism and telling you what you need and what you don't need and what's right and what's wrong. So you had to go to the city, live in slums to make a living. I'm sure there's all kinds of dynamics that made that possible, but I think it's two. I think it's choices that people make and it's things that are imposed upon them from the system of the paradigm that we live in. But we can't point fingers because it's not just one or the other. It takes two to tango. I was just talking to a, a, a tango dancer and teacher the other day, talking about how impossible it's been for them, of course, of course, 
tango is, is one of the dances that you really need to dance with a partner. Trauens, that's one of the reasons I never really liked it. I like to dance solo. This kind of following and leading is very difficult. But for the people who do it, they love it and they get a lot out of it. And it could be very beautiful. You can't really do that with maintaining social distancing. So now they've actually allowed in the Netherlands for actors and dancers and athletes that they could break this one and a half meter distance thing. But for the general public, no. Now, is it just me or is that just weird? I think it's just weird. I think when it comes to sports, they decided that, you know, it's safer or it's better to maintain the paradigm functioning as it is by providing people with sports. It's summertime, it's the time of sports. Without sports, all hell is going to break loose. Yeah, and that's probably true. We're so afraid of all hell breaking loose, and I wonder if we just should let it break loose. I'm not saying we should instigate or something. No, completely not. I don't think we actually need to get so far as getting to hell before we uh, are, uh, what's the word? Before we were saved? I'm looking for another word, biblical. Help me here. Well, anyway, I think you get the idea. We don't need to go to hell to get to heaven. Heaven is in our reach. And it's in the old texts, in all the old texts, we know how we can make a world of peace where people are treated equally, regardless of color. All lives matter. Black lives matter. Of course they do. Brown lives matter. Of course they do. White lives matter. Yellow lives matter. Gray lives matter. All colors of lives matter. And color is not a dirty word. I mean, now it's become like you can't call someone black. Why not? You can't call someone brown. Why not? It's a description. Why can you call someone white? It's not that black is good or bad or white is good or bad. It just is. It's a color. If we didn't associate so much value to this color, then it's neutral. The color is color and all colors are beautiful. In the animal kingdom, you have colored uh, birds with all kinds of colors and red and brown. And you say, well, this is a black bird. This is a blue bird. This is a red bird. And there's nothing better or worse. It's our association with things. Color's been a lot in my mind lately, especially thinking, like, how are they going to do it nowadays? I remember the acting days. Then you, you read the uh, calls for audition. I mean, you can't get more pigeonholed than that. An Arab-looking man, an African-American black, curly hair, short, thick ugly, pretty. I mean, they just had it all there. I wonder now how they would make calls for auditions because you can't say things anymore. You know, it's hard for me to understand this, this color issue. I understand uh, racism, uh, of course, and I understand slavery. 
but you know as an arab excuse me if i'm i'm wrong or maybe some arabs were disagree but this whole color thing was never really an issue for us really i mean yeah arab men liked blondes or something but because they didn't have them too much uh we have um darker people and lighter people some people are what you would call black other people is redhead and as a kid um I, we had all kinds of kids in our school and you know kids are evil they're mean if you're a little bit different they'll make fun of you so the one who's a little bit too dark was teased about it the one was too light was teased about it the one with red head might have been teased about it the one who's too fat or too small or whatever that's kind of what kids do and i don't know if that's just human nature or if it's just yeah kind of a, a learned trait let's say either way there was no discrimination based on color and i didn't think of myself as color like i watched american films and i knew that there was black and white and that they had fights and it's kind of uh, western films too like uh, red indians they called them back then and the, the, the white man and so i got it but i wasn't really confronted with color until i went to college in washington dc in an r&b club in northwest i was often asked so are you considered white or black looking at that ass i'd say you're one of us No, lots has changed since then, but then I started thinking, yeah, am I black or am I white? Well, I'm neither. I'm Olive. Can I call myself Olive? I'm Olive Brown. Well, that's now a double name. No color, you Olive Brown. Well, maybe they should add that. It's a bit like the uh, LGBT, and I don't know how many letters come after that movement. Now we have so many boxes that we can cross on how we identify ourselves. Why do we need to identify ourselves so much anyway? I get it. You know, man and woman, that's a hard one. It's a hard one because it goes deep, but sometimes it's good to know what you're talking about or who you're talking to or I guess how you identify yourself, you should put it in there. But let's not just complicate things too much. Can we go back to how it once was where it's simple? Oh, that would be nice. Brings me back to that apocalyptic idea that if the internet would fall, if the internet would fall, oh my goodness, I can't tell you. I mean, I would hate it because that's how I communicate with my mother. I still have a land phone, but and my friends, are you going to start calling people again? Can you imagine that? We did that not so long ago. or what sent letters we don't even know each other's addresses and if we don't know them we'd look at them up online and if there's no online then what do you do what do you do what do you do if you didn't have to profile anymore or share your picture share what you've been doing what you're thinking and all that stuff like that 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 stopped being an option or if you couldn't just get online and buy something and you actually had to go somewhere and look for it Yeah, apocalypse, maybe. I don't know. I'm not saying it would be nice. I mean, you can't hear this podcast not that you'd be missing too much. <laughs> no. But I would be able to do a lot of the work that I'm doing. I think that I'm trying to do on online to reach. But 
at the end of the day, it's good that we ask ourselves that question is that eventually if all this, all this falls, what, what do we have to stand on? Big questions. I wasn't even planning to be serious today. But here it is. And it's time to stop. And to tie it back to the beginning about the drones, the males amongst you probably thought, no, that's really sadistic to share that kind of information with one's husband. But it's really not. Of course you feel sad for the fate of the drones, but that is nature amongst the honeybees. doesn't mean that we're honeybees or that that's how we should do it. Of course not. But it's looking at nature and how it does things. Now, you know, that the drones, the Dara, they could go on strike. They could say, you know, it's not really fair. Like, you use us the whole uh, spring and summer, and then you kick us out, and then you let us die. But in fact, the drones, they don't collect honey, or they don't really work. I mean, they're there to just basically, yeah, fertilize the queen. I guess some people would like a life like that. But, I mean, we're not going to go about trying to save the the drones of the bees in the winter because that's just going against nature. And I think that if we look at things like viruses and epidemics, and it's horrible, it's sad, and, and people die, and death is never okay, and it's always painful to let go. But... Some trees fall. Some trees can't handle it. Can we accept that? And if we accept that perhaps we, I, am a tree that might not handle it, can I accept that I may die? And if I can accept that, which I have to accept because essentially we're all going to die. That is the only certainty. This is probably the reason for all religions and mythologies to emerge, to try to find life after death. Perhaps that's why we write, or perhaps that's what we do, but we, what we do, but... You know, no matter how many likes you get on a post, that's not going to keep away your death. No. I do think that the acceptance of death is at the essence of how we live. If we try not to be so afraid of it, it doesn't mean throwing yourself in front of a train. No, completely not. Life is just too precious. It doesn't mean not caring for your health. In the opposite, it means investing in your health, building your immunity, living fully, thinking health. Think healthy. Believe that you are healthy, that you are complete, that your immune system is capable of protecting you. It could help.
doesn't help. It doesn't hurt. And accept that every life matters in service of the being. The being is the collection of the bees. It's the hive, but it's the life. It becomes like one entity. All these bees that are together in a hive, they are a being. They have a sort of intelligence, a coherence, a sovereignty. Every life of every bee is important for the being. It is in service of the being. That means every life of us is important in service of the whole. In our case, the being is not just our family or our tribe. It is humanity. So as we think that we are indeed a bee that has a different job, it might be collecting the nectar, it might be cleaning, it might be the undertaker, it might be the drone, it might be the queen. And to do our job to the fullest. Not afraid and not thinking of only our life, but thinking of the being. The bees are really good in that. When everyone knows how if a bee stings you, it dies. It does not want to die. It does it in self-defense and mostly to defend the being. If we live like that, as busy, happy bees, fulfilling our purpose in service of the being, perhaps we could start seeing changes. And with this, I close. Thank you for listening. This was Arab Woman Talking. Goodbye. Salam. Good scenes.